69 offense. He was giving them the business. I like Pittsburgh, I always have. If, if they had a bigger airport, I'd live here. <laughs> so I told our players, I tried to let it out the front door. Cat's still going crazy in there. Be a dog. We don't need no meow. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. Hello and welcome to a long-awaited episode of the Backyard Football Podcast. As always, I'm Nick Hossalter. I am Nathan Grella. And today we are back in it um, after a long hiatus, uh, but we are in our separate studios ready to talk some football. Um, So uh, we have a very special guest star on this week, uh, somebody that you guys should all be familiar with, especially if you are a local from West Green, uh, if you're a fan of that team, the one, the only, the myth, the legend, Jeremiah Miller. Great to have you on today. Yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, getting me on and uh, get to talk a little football today. Absolutely. Jeremiah has been a big help around the Backyard Football Network uh, last year and coming up into this year as well. So we are glad to have him on. He knows his stuff, and we're just going to be talking about some uh, general questions that are going into this next season, a little bit of analysis and discussion. Um, But first of all, uh, Nathan would like to give us a little update on what's going on with the podcast right now. All right. So we got a couple updates for you as far as the podcast goes. Um, We'll be releasing videos here and there uh, previewing the season. Uh, We just released um, a video on our Facebook page and on our Twitter page. Go check that out. It's uh, I I put a lot of time and effort into it. I thought it came out really well. We got some participation from local players uh, to get on the video, and it was it was I thought it came out pretty pretty good. Um, We'll have player previews coming out on PA Football News site. If you are a player and you want to be previewed, uh, email me nathangrella at gmail.com, and I will email you back the questions for the articles. And then. we got our schedule release, which released not too long ago, but we added another game to it. Uh, I'm just going to run through it real quick. We got Greensburg Central Catholic at Beth Center, Week Zero, a game that both me and Nick are very excited for because we went to the California Beth Center game last year um, and Week Zero, and that was a thriller. And Greensburg Central Catholic looks to be that looks to be a pretty even matchup. Um, then the week after, Brentwood is at Fraser. Week after that, Stowrox is at McGuffey, and then heading into conference play, Waynesburg Central at Wash High, a return to a, an old rivalry. Then Bell Vernon at TJ, Bentworth at Jefferson Morgan, West Mifflin at McKeesport is the new game that we added. Uh, that'll be on a Saturday, and then the day before, we'll be covering another game in the area. And then the week after, Wash High and Charleroi, and the last two games will be wrapping up with Trinity at Laurel Highlands, and then last week the season, Jefferson Morgan at Carmichael's. So out of all of those games, Jeremiah, this will be the first question for you. Uh, which game kind of stands out to you the most that we'll be covering for our game of the week? Yeah, uh, I definitely think there's several intriguing games to me. Um, just a couple to point out. I think Stowe Rocks, of course, uh, the defending WPIL single-way runner-ups at McGuffey. I really like that game. Of course, Stowe Rocks is more of an air raid offense, and McGuffey runs the Veer triple option. So I think that'll be definitely a good clash of two different offensive styles. Um, I like seeing the uh, I-79 rivalry renewed uh, between Waynesburg Central and Wash High. Um, and I like the game you guys picked up between West Mifflin and McKeesport. Um, like I said, earlier before the podcast you know uh two old rivals um right next to each other on the mon um good to see that rivalry back uh but the game that sticks out to me um it's usually the big game every year uh bell vernon the tj uh tj obviously coming off a state championship um is this a year bell vernon which it seems like that's the question every year is this the year for bell vernon uh top end tj and uh, tj lost a lot but TJ is also one of these programs that they don't re- they don't rebuild they reload. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see if Bell Vernon can finally upend them this year. So with that being said, uh, the game that 
I look at the with the uh, most anticipation is uh, the Mel Vernon at TJ. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, one of those old rivalries in the area, um, especially in the Big 8, that gets a lot of eyes every single year. I know you, you mentioned TJ is losing a lot. Uh, Bell Vernon, you know, they lost all their weapons on offense. They lost their quarterback. Um, but, you know, they'll be getting a couple guys back, most notably Devin Whitlock um, at kind of that slot back Uh rolled for them and that that'll be interesting seeing a lot of kind of young weapons between those two um play uh and then you know we you mentioned it um we got we're, we'll be covering some notable d1 talent you know the the second to last week trinity at laurel highlands uh some people might not think that's a bigger matchup but you know covering rodney gallagher who's Already, you know, he's got a 247 page already, class of 23, I believe. Um, as a senior, you know, he'll probably be the four- or five-star guy at Laurel Highlands. Um, already has offers from Penn State, Virginia Tech, Michigan. So that'll be an interesting game to see him against, you know, a more experienced Trinity team. And then two weeks before, Naki Johnson over at West Mifflin, Pitt commit, playing against uh, on defense against the triple option of McKeesport. Um, that'll definitely be a fun matchup as well. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, I know when Nathan and I were coming up with the schedule, it was very exciting just to see. I think from start to finish, it's going to be a great year. I mean, starting off with Greensburg Central Catholic at Best Center, you know, that's not a matchup that I expect us to cover, but that should be really interesting. Greensburg Central Catholic was a playoff team last year. Uh, Beth Center was not, but um, they're a local team, and I think they definitely have high hopes for this year. Um, just a lot of interesting matchups, you know, even those not necessarily those big teams. Um, obviously, uh, J- Thomas Jefferson, Bell Vernon is going to be huge, but I think it's going to be an interesting year from start to finish. And um, I guess that kind of leads us into a bit of a discussion about what's going on in the world of high school football across the state of Pennsylvania right now, um, because a lot of these games are going to be seriously affected by the news that came out recently by Governor Tom Wolf, who confirmed that sports will be coming back, thankfully. Um, it wasn't quite as bad as we hoped. However, there will not be any spectators, and there will be no more than 250 people allowed in each stadium. So this is going to have a big impact, and that's something we're going to talk about a little later. But first of all, I just wanted to get, Jeremiah, your thoughts on Wolf's decision and what this means for the sport. Yeah, uh, at this point, uh, whatever it takes, really. Um, it's definitely going to be different with no spectators, um, but I think we're really going to see that not just at the high school sports, but in professional sports. You know, the NBA postseason, NHL postseasons returning here at the end of the month, as well as the uh, Major League. Uh, baseball regular season is going to start here coming up soon. Um, I believe Major League Soccer starting here within the next two weeks, if I believe right. I want to say July 8th. Um, obviously, there's going to be no fans there. I mean, the NBA is in a bubble in Orlando, Florida, <laughs> you know, and, uh, Disney World. So uh, it's going to be different. Um, I had hoped there's some fans, um, at least the parents, to see their kids. I mean, I think that would be fine. And then, like, the thing I'm looking at, no more than 250 people. Um, just an example, I could tell you there's not going to be 250 uh, media members plus security and staff at, like, a West Green versus Carmichael's game. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so I think this, like, uh, maybe at the bigger schools, like, um, like the Bell Vernon TJ game, that'd be different. Uh um, the West Mifflin and McKeesport game, some of the more marquee teams, um, the bigger schools, that's different. You know, they're, you know, more people, the more people that would normally come, you know, the more staff and, you know, security you would need for that. But I think like smaller, like Tri-County South, uh, I can say, I think you could probably get some spectators in, you know, maybe like give um, like each player, you know, a couple tickets here and there, give mom and dad in or whoever, you know you know, parents or guardians. And I think that could be, ha- I think that could happen um, possibly. 
But um, I like it, you know, a sports comeback. Like I said, it's going to be different this year. And who knows, it might be different for a little while. But, uh, you yeah. know, just to hear some news that it's pot, like it's going to, the sports are coming back, uh, you know, that's, that's just great for me. I mean, especially in the professional sports, I mean, and all that, you know, those guys get paid. These guys, you know, high scores, you know, college kids, they don't. So, you know, and you've heard a lot about college football, you know, there's big doubts if they'll come back, you know, but to finally hear something about high school sports, especially in Pennsylvania, that's what we cover, obviously. Uh, that's, that's just great news enough for me. Like, you know, whatever happens, happens as far as who may, who's allowed in, who's not, hopefully we're allowed in. <laughs> that's a, that's a big thing. Yeah. Hopefully we're, hopefully we're allowed in, but, um, I know at West Green we can get on the train trestle and watch from above, but I don't know how uh, ideal that would be. But uh, I, I uh, like I said, just happy to hear something because I know it's been on our minds a lot uh, this uh, late spring and early summer. You know, uh, the anticipation to see what Governor Wolf would say, and uh, like I said, just uh, happy to hear something positive, and hopefully it continues. You know, hopefully. Hopefully we'll uh, be on the sidelines and uh, ideally I'd like to see a packed stadium every Friday night, but uh, you know, I'm just going to be happy to get to see some high school football. Yeah. At this point, that's all you can hope for, I guess, you know, it's been, the standards are completely rewritten at this point in America. And so you've got to be happy with what you can get. Absolutely. And uh, I think this, this sort of leads into our first, question of the next segment um these are what we titled burning questions um these are things that must be answered these are the big questions i think really the biggest question the most burning question that we had has already been answered which was you know are we going to see football at all right now are there going to be players that don't get to finish off their senior year you know um but that that is thankfully not the case um and so these are things that we have come up now that we have some assurance that the season will continue. Um, many of them were actually asked by audience members, which was pretty neat. We got a pretty favorable and uh, plentiful response from audience members and also just some things that Nathan and Jeremiah and I have been thinking about ourselves. And so first of all, Nathan, um, with all this business going on about no spectators, uh, which teams out of those we cover do you think will be hurt the most by the lack of fans? And do you think that there will be any teams whose chances at success will actually be helped by this development? Um, yeah, I think when you look at like fans of games, it, it kind of comes down to, you know, bigger schools versus smaller schools. I know that, you know, West Green last year had a great, you know, fan support base, same with California. And I think those type of schools, those annually um, top of the division type schools will definitely be affected by not having any fans. But I mean, between the differences between high school and, you know, college football, like you watch a college football game on ESPN, like the difference in fans is very notable. But I think the difference between having fans there and having fans not there is probably less notable at the high school level. But it's still definitely felt. I know teams like Belvern and Thomas Jefferson, West Mifflin, McKeesport, you know, all those, you know, top tier, top of the division teams are are definitely going to be affected by not having their fans there, not having, you know, that kind of home presence. But I don't think is as much as a necessity as actually maybe playing the games, um, you know, I don't think there's going to be a team out there whose chances will be helped by not having any fans. You know, each team has, they kind of, you know, carry the the town on their back, kind of. Their, the, the, the town is represented in the fan base and in the team. So um, th- there isn't a team out there that I don't think their chances will be helped at all. But I know, I know Jeremiah, you might have a couple teams in your mind as well. Uh, yeah, um, out of everyone we covered, the lack of fans, um, I think it'll affect the bigger schools more than the smaller schools. Like you said, you know, um, you know, I'm a West Green guy, you know, the fan support we've had the past couple years has been incredible. Um, and it definitely helps. I'm not good. You know, it's definitely been an amazing thing to see. Um, but I think, you know, those big schools, you know, they get that, you know, like successful programs like McKeesport, like Thomas Jefferson, like Bell Vernon, you know, they get big crowds every Friday night at home. I think that'll affect them a lot more uh, than per se Tri-County South or even for that matter, interstate conference teams um, that don't draw 
as big of crowds. Um, I think um, that'll. I think that'll really hurt the the five A. You know, the Big A conference the most. Um, not that it won't affect. You know, uh, Tri County South teams or interstate teams. You know, no, it's going to be really weird all the way around for everyone involved. Um, us and the media covering. You know, coaches coaching, players uh, playing, and you know, staff are doing whatever. It's just going to be weird seeing empty bleachers all around. You know, if that is what is going to happen, which looking at it right now, it looks like it's probably what it's going to be. Um, so, uh, um, teams' chances to be helped, I really don't see it helping anyone. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it'll really help anyone. Like as far as like a lower tier team as of last year, maybe, you know, not having that home field advantage that other schools have, like maybe like um, I don't think it's a big thing in Tri-County South, at least that's from my experience being around it my whole life and playing in it. Um, but I know some of them bigger schools that we cover, I know like Gateway and all them, uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, McKeesport, you know, they have some pretty rowdy student sections. Um you know, that might be affected, like I said, at the bigger schools, you know, like you might have a team slip in there like Laurel Highlands goes on the road somewhere and pulls off an upset. I mean, you could say you could you could say, I mean, I guess you could bring up the point and say that um, it, it had to do, you know, there was no fans you know, that that helped, you know, uh, but I, I don't see that happening. I think if anything, it's going to hurt everyone all around not having any fans. There's not going to be much of a home field advantage really this season. I don't see. So that might cause a couple upsets. Um, I don't see the no fans helping though. I just, I don't know. I just could just any, if anything, it just the awkwardness of an empty uh, stadium on a Friday night in Western Pennsylvania, if anything, getting the better of some of these top tier teams. Yeah. I think, you know, kind of the first thing that jumped to my mind was a lot of the players that we've talked about, you know, um, you know, I, I think when we were, we were talking to Hunter Acid uh, recently, and he was talking about how difficult it is mentally to go to a team like Wash High, you know, and play them with all the fans and how rowdy there are. And so that's kind of what's been going through my mind as, you know, similar to what you said, you know, is a team like that going to be able to sneak in there and do something remarkable on the road because, the, you know, the other team isn't going to be quite as energetic. They don't have the crowd to frustrate them as much and make things difficult. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, there's going to be no way to prove whether there's an actual effect or not, but um, it will certainly be interesting to see. Um, and speaking of sort of quiet upsets, um, this is something we've been talking about recently is Carmichael's is on the rise. Um, and so another burning question that we had, and this one will be for you, Nathan, is do you think that Carmichael's will be able to open as an actual favorite on the road in Waynesburg week one against Waynesburg Central, who is a 3A team last year? Do you think they're going to be able to pull off this kind of a shocking upset that might not be as much of an upset as we expected last year? Um, being the one that creates the spreads, I think that they will probably open up as a favorite for that game. Uh, I, I don't know. It seems kind of even. Waynesburg Central's, you know, in the trenches, they seem a little bit weaker than a lot of other teams, especially Carmichael's. You know, you talk about being deep in the trenches, and they're one of those teams that has guys on the line. Um, and then I was, you know, I was listening to Solid Verbal today, which is a college football podcast that we kind of model ours off of, and they talked about having guys that create problems, having those problem players that create problems for for other teams and Carmichael's has one of those guys and that's Bailey Jones. Um, he's, he's the guy that creates problems for opposing defenses. And there, I don't see a lot of guys on Waynesburg that are those type of players. Now, maybe they just weren't, you know, accentuated in the three, a system and maybe they'll pop up in two a, but I think for right now, Carmichael's is going to open up as a favorite for that game. Yeah, I think that would be very interesting, you know, kind of a reversal of fortune, um, a local game that could turn into something that not as many people are expecting. But I, oh, and by the way, um, just to, for any new listeners, um, 
to make this very clear, we do not condone or participate ourselves in betting in high school football. That is obviously illegal. We just make points or, or spreads ourselves as a fun way to discuss um, and predict these games. So take it as nothing but that. But uh, with that being said, I would not be surprised if Carmichael's is a favorite, um, but that's just going to depend on how things play out next year. Um, it's an interesting combination of a sort of middle of the road to lower end 3A team going up against a 2A team that is on the rise and has some talent. So that is a matchup that both of us are looking forward to and excited to talk about. Um, next up, we have a, an anonymous submission from a member of the audience. Um, keeping with the uh, very local teams, at least local to Nathan and I, who go to Waynesburg University. And this was a anonymous submission um, from a member of the audience who asks Jeremiah, uh, what kind of a chance do you think Best Center has at actually making the playoffs next year? Honest opinion from you. Um, I think it's all going to depend, honestly, on uh, Colby Coons's, um ACL rehab um, and how he comes back. Um, obviously, when you lose your starting quarterback, that's going to hurt. Um, I think he's really going to be the big key. I'm not going to say the only key, but the big key in uh, their success this year, um, you know, wash high, lost a lot, but um, – as I've said to Nathan many times, Wash High is one of these programs that, you know, they just reload. They don't rebuild, they reload. Um, you know, I'll say it to make Nathan happy. You know, Frazier's on the rise. Um, which I, I, I do think that. I, I think Frazier's going to open some eyes this year. Um, but uh, as far as that goes, Beth Center making the playoffs – um, I think they just have a, you know, I, I don't see them winning the conference by any means. Um, I think Waynesburg Central coming down doesn't help. I think Waynesburg's got overlooked a lot um, playing in 3A, but you got to look at their play. And I mean, Waynesburg was the most tra- is is was the most traveled team in the WPIL the last two years. Their closest conference game is South Park, which South Park High School from Waynesburg. It's about an hour and a half bus ride on a bus, um, roughly. Uh, you know, that's that's hard there. You know, most of their conferences in Beaver County, uh, you know, Aliquippa, Beaver Falls, Central Valley, um, and whatnot. And then they have a non-conference game against Ambridge, um, which they did end up, they did beat Ambridge last year. But um, I think Waynesburg coming down hurts their chances. I think Char Houston coming up hurts their chances. You know, Char Houston was a team on the rise in Tri-County South. They're still relatively young. They've lost a little bit. But I think Char Houston, if they stay in the Tri-County South, was going to be right up there with, uh, you know, the handful of teams that, uh, you know, we think have a chance of winning it this year. Um, So I think Best Center is going to be in the middle of the pack. Um, but like I said, as far as their big key, I think it's going to all depend on, uh, you know, Coons, a quarterback. Uh, that's going to be the big thing with, uh, you know, how, how did his, uh, um, you know, ACL rehab go for Colby? And, you know, I hope it went well. You know, he's a tremendous uh, athlete and uh, definitely obvi- obviously a big help um, to, uh, you know, his dad, the head coach at Best Center. And, uh the rest of his teammates, you know, they're, they're a lot better team with them than they are without him. Yeah. And another guy that kind of got overlooked as far as injuries go for Beth center last year was Aiden Simchek, who went actually down in game one against California. He's going to be back in the backfield for Beth center. And you lose your starting quarterback, you lose your starting running back in the first two weeks last year. And that completely decimated their season. Um, But one, another position group that they were really, you know, they're really kind of young on was the offensive line. And we talked about, we talk about Frazier's line getting better over the course of time last year, but Beth center was another offensive line and defensive line. They kind of, they kind of grew. You saw their transformation from week zero to week 10 last or week nine last year. Um, And they have size and that's a team that you can't say, you can't say that of Waynesburg. You can't say that of Charters Houston. And 
you know, interstate is going to be seven teams. And if they pull four playoff teams, you really only have to win three, four conference games to make the playoffs. And if Beth Center rolls up against Waynesburg, Beth Center rolls up against Chargers Houston, I kind of like their chances in those two games. So if they get those two wins and then pull a win from a Charleroi or they pull a win from a Frazier, um, that they could easily be a playoff team, I think. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to see. You know, I I agree that the kind of disarray that losing a starting quarterback and running back in the first week of the season, or, you know, first couple weeks of the season, that'll do a lot to your team, especially coming off of a very emotional loss, home loss against California week one. Um, so I think, you know, Beth Center is going to be reloaded. They're going to be facing some new and more difficult opponents. Uh, I talked about Waynesburg Central moving down. That will certainly be a challenge, but I definitely don't think it's unreasonable for them to make the playoffs. Um, it's just going to depend on whether they are able to rise to the challenge when they did last year. And I think that is certainly well within the realm of possibility for this team. Um, and sp- speaking of, you know, Waynesburg Central moving down and the uh, sort of, chaos that that could cause um who do you think that the most successful team that moved classifications will be um the teams that we cover at least that have changed are chartiers houston carmichael's southmoreland brownsville waynesburg as previously discussed mckeesport and uniontown uh yeah looking to 4a um as we you know kind of make that transition up in a couple classes i think you know mckeesport is a team you know they run the triple option they got Assad robinson coming back um at, at that kind of you know wing role uh he's a tremendous athlete he's extremely underrated as far as that conference he kind of gets overshadowed you know by a lot of bigger schools especially at 5a he was kind of overshadowed even by his own teammates but he'll kind of be that sole runner coming back for them and he's just a tremendous weapon um for them i i think mckeesport moving down into 4a playing a whole bunch of new teams that haven't seen their system yet is going to be extremely beneficial for them um i think they could be kind of that sleeper team maybe a 4a that you know and we'll talk about this later you know i i really am high on the tigers in that conference against some of these teams you know you look at a bell vernon or west mifflin they 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 lose a lot as far as starters go and mckeesport kind of is bringing back a system that they've developed over time and it, and it works for them so i think them them moving down in 4a they'll probably i think they'll have They'll be the most beneficial out of moving down, cla- moving down a classification. Yeah, yeah I think. The- uh, oh, go ahead, Jeremiah. No, sorry about that, but yeah, I, uh, I think McKeesport that'll really help. Um, you know, there's like you said, uh, new teams going to see that triple option. Uh, I know how hard it is to prepare for a triple option. Uh, you know, in one week, uh, Western Beaver was our non-conference game when I was in high school, and they ran the triple option at the time um, and how hard that is to uh, prepare for that for one week. Uh, you know, we ended up losing to them my sophomore year, but then heading into my junior year, you know, we played them again. We played them at their place and uh, you know, how, how much easier, you know, um, after the first time, you know, really study tape a little more and see, and then we end up winning that game. But anyway, um, as far as this first year goes, I'm like you, Nathan, I really am high on McKeesport coming down to the big eight. Um, it's going to be tough, you know, Bell Vernon and, you know, TJ's defending state champs. So they're not going to be any pushovers and, uh, Laurel Highlands obviously having the young star and Rodney Gallagher. Um, you know, that's, you know, it's going to be hard to, you know, prep for him. I realize it's a team sport, but that kid is just incredible, but, um, I'm not going to say McKeesport is the most successful team moving classifications. I'm actually going to say Waynesburg central. And here's why. The inter- they're going to the Interstate Conference in two-way. Now, they're still playing teams like Beth Center, Frazier, McGuffey, and Wash High. Those teams, those are excellent programs. But that sounds that schedule sounds a little bit nicer compared to Aliquippa, Beaver Falls, Central Valley, and what have you. Um, so with that being said, I think Waynesburg moving down. I think they have a talented roster. Um, just didn't cut it at 3A. 
Um, I think they have a talented roster for two A. Um, big offensive line. Uh, you know, they they got two offensive tackles, both you know six five and six seven. So they they do they both have monster tackles that'll anchor the line on the outside. Um, and Waynesburg returns a good bit. They lost two key offensive players and Caleb Shriver. He is going to St. Vincent to play football um, and Trevor Stevenson. Um, but they still return a good bit. You know, I think they'll be very successful with two A. And uh, that game of the week we have where, you know, the old I-79 matchup between them and Wash High early on, that'll really, you know, set the pace for, you know, how Waynesburg is going to be. And um, I would even go out and say Waynesburg is even being a sleeper to win the Interstate Conference. Wow. Big predictions from Jeremiah on the show today. And But I can't say it's not justified, you know. I mean, we've talked a lot about how much Washington is losing as well. They are the... Um, had a lot of success last year um, as a football team, as they always do. Uh, but they're losing some, you know, you talk about reloading, but at some point, you know, some of that talent that they were losing is not likely to be replaced in as efficient a manner. So I think that will definitely open the door for Waynesburg. You know, if they come down looking to make some trouble, I think that is a very reasonable observation. Um, and moving on to the next question. Um, here's another anonymous question for you guys. Um, who do you think has the toughest conference in the Whippeal? Uh, is it now the Big Eight with the Tigers, as previously discussed, moving down in their somewhat feared triple option offense? Um, now, is this just the Whippeal and all, or the team, the conferences that we cover? Uh, it's the entire Whippeal, but I believe. The entire. Yeah, as far as talking about teams we cover, I'll go with that route. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I would definitely say it's the toughest now. Um, you know, Bell Vernon and TJ in there. And now you throw in, you know, McKeesport, um, that triple option. You know, that's going to be a deadly mix right there. I mean, Bell Vernon likes to air the ball out. TJ's more of a ground and pound team, but they, you know, they have that, you know, throwing capability in their arsenal and now you add the triple option um you know of uh McKeesport I, I yeah I, I must say the big eight's the toughest in the Whippeal um not even just who we cover just in the Whippeal in general I'll go out on the limb and say that um and then you add Laurel Highlands you know uh, how much can Rodney Gallagher carry them and they don't they don't just have Rodney Gallagher he's just the player I point out He's their star, you know, and like Nathan said, in two years from now, he might be the biggest star, not only in Western PA, but in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, to brag on him a little, he's the best pure athlete as far as a two-sport athlete I have seen since Terrell Pryor was here when he was at Jeanette High School. Um, of course, Terrell Pryor was the number one athlete in the country for football. And fun fact for you, he was high. He was higher ranked in basketball than Clay Thompson was. Of course, Clay Thompson, three-time NBA champion for the Golden State Warriors. Now, he was high, Terrell Pryor was higher ranked in basketball than Clay Thompson was when they were graduate when for their graduating class. Um, of course, Terrell Pryor went on to win a Rose Bowl, um, the Sugar Bowl, and at Ohio State, and win I believe one Big Ten championship, if not two, um, and then unfortunately um didn't pan out in the nfl for some off the field issues but uh as far as that goes i really think ronnie gallagher has the potential to be one of the biggest stars in this area and you know he'll have his name remembered for a long time i mean he's got some pretty remarkable uh you know accolades already you know he has i believe nathan you can correct me if i'm wrong i believe six football scholarships and he has three basketball already um, like you mentioned, he's got Penn State, Virginia Tech, Michigan, to name a few for football um, and basketball. He's got Pitt offering him. He has Pitt for basketball and football. You know, he might go to Pitt and play both, be able to play both. But uh, you know, we'll see there. That'll be an interesting thing in two years. What you know, the decision. <laughs> you know, was he going to play basketball? Is he going to play football? You know, that'll be the big thing. But um, you know, with him in the Big Eight, like I said, you got triple option with Keysport. Pennsylvania State champs at TJ, Bell Vernon's the air raid. They got Devin Whitlock still. 
And, uh, you know, Ronnie Gallagher down there in Lower Highlands, you know, he might open a lot more eyes up this year, you know, that he, <laughs> I don't know who doesn't know who Ronnie Gallagher is already. If you don't, if you didn't pay attention to, uh, the high school basketball postseason this championship, this past season, you know, leading Laurel Highlands to a Whitfield championship as a freshman, and they were the eighth seed in 5A. And, you know, he's just as good at football as he is basketball. So I, I definitely think this conference, the Big Eight, is head over heels above any conference in the Whitfield. Yeah. And, you know, you. I people like to reference the Penn Hills, Penn Trafford, you know, the that te- that conference up uh in five A, I believe, um in Pine Richland moving down. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll join that conference or not, but that that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Um but I know six A North losing Pine Richland, you know, North Allegheny is still in that conference, and that's still a pretty tough conference. But I, you mentioned it, the Big Eight is just so stacked as far as talent goes, and you didn't even mention, you know, the top rated prospect of this graduating class, uh, Nick Naki Johnson over West Mifflin too. Um, and then another point, you know, Uniontown and Ringgold are not very good programs, and they kind of drag down the the prestige of the big eight a little bit going into this year. But I, I think a team that's kind of getting overlooked might be Trinity. You know, they, they bring back basically their entire roster from last year. Um, and they're going to be very experienced. They got Tyson Brophy on the defensive and offensive line. Um, they have college guys, you know, not, not really D one or D two guys, you know, D they have a lot of D three, maybe D two guys. Um, but th- they could, maybe surprise a lot of people as well. So that that's basically six solid teams in a, in the conference that, you know, could compete for playoffs. I think that, that is really speaks to how strong the conference is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like I said, I totally forgot about West Mifflin, uh, you know, West Mifflin in there too. They return a lot. They're going to be something special. Um, you know, I think they, you know, if we want to talk about the, no, you know, no one in the stands, uh, you know, maybe they could benefit from that. Uh, and, uh, maybe even win the big eight. Um, that would, that would surprise me. Um, but I definitely think there's a good chance. Um, you know, I, I, I truly do. I think with him going there or, you know, Naki Johnson leading the way, um, of course, like you said, the pick commit, I, I can't, I, I can't believe I for, forgot about them. Yeah. Being the top rated prospect. And, uh, but yeah, that like you said, just add on to the big eight. <laughs> you know, it just that's how good this conference is. There's talent across the board, big time talent too. That uh, you know the Whippeal hasn't had in a while, and then most of it's in this one conference. So yeah, definitely uh, something special to see. Yeah, we've been talking about all these big names in the big eight, and for good reason. You know, these are larger schools that have a lot of a lot of athletes in them, you know, you don't have to search for them. Uh, like some of the smaller guys, they don't come up, they come up pretty frequently, but, um, even down in the tri-county South, you've got some notable athletes that are coming back next year. Um, and so one of the questions that we've been wondering is after covering the tri-county South quite a bit and talking about them a lot is, you know, those are pretty much the most local teams that we cover. Um, who is the most talented player overall in that conference next year? Um, a couple suggestions, thoughts uh, include Stafford, uh, Bailey Jones, Kavanaugh, Jane Zuzak. Um, and then also, you know, just moving into some of the other conferences in the interstate and the, the big eight as well. Um, but first of all, just with the Tri-County South, you guys have any thoughts on who is the most talented player down there? Yeah, I mean, if we're going purely based on athleticism, I think it's really hard to overlook some of those California backs like Jane Zusak and Damani Stafford, um, and that's probably who would I, who I would choose normally. But I think if you put a guy like Trent Kavanaugh, and he plays well on both sides of the ball, um, if you put a guy like him on a team as talented as California or on a team that has some of those guys in the trenches like Wes Green or or um, Carmichael's, I think Trent Kavanaugh would probably be that guy that's kind of the, the – the, the, that guy that you kind of saw from Ben Jackson last year. So, 
I, I think he's kind of an underrated part of the Tri-County South. Tri- kind of gets overlooked because of the team he's on. But I think Trent Kavanaugh might be the most talented player out of that group. And then moving up a classification, uh, what about the interstate? Um, some notable things that we've been thinking about in this regard are the Wash High running backs, uh, Nate Yeagle, and of course, uh, Mr. Fine himself, the much-discussed player from Frazier. Do you have any thoughts on that, Nathan? Yeah, I think in the interstate, um, it's I think it's Kenny Fine and the rest of the pack. He's just he will transform the quarterback he plays with into a better quarterback. He'll be the best player on the field, and that honestly is going to win Frazier games they probably should have lost this year. Is having him on the field. Um, he's just a very dynamic player. He, he elevates everyone else on, on the team. So I, I really like him as probably the best player in the interstate, but uh, Jeremiah, what are your picks as far as these two conferences go? Well, first off, I just want to say you comparing anyone this year to Ben Jackson is, I don't know if a word crazy, right, but, but yeah, there you go. But I didn't um, say he was on the same level, but um. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, no, I, there there won't be any Ben Jackson this year, and I don't think there'll be a Ben Jackson for a while. And yes, I'm biased because I'm friends with Ben, but that's beside the point. But anyway, um, I think there's still great talent. I like. I think Trent Kavanaugh, like you said, I think Trent is going to be you know a problem on both sides of the balls. You know, he's a big. He's big body to uh, take down on offense, and you know he's hard to you know you know to block and uh, you know make sure he gets out of the way when he's on defense. Um, yeah, Stafford of California. I heard rumors. I don't know if this is true. I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe I heard he's playing quarterback this year. So uh, yeah, so that's going to be really interesting to see there um, how he does a quarterback. I uh, I had seen some pictures on Instagram. Uh, where it looked like he was throwing at some seven on sevens and stuff. So that would open my eyes there and was like, hmm. So uh, that would be cool to see what kind of offense um, California uses with him, what they'll do with him there. That kind of really intrigues me. Um, in fact, I would go on saying that's my most intriguing thing to see in the Tri County South this year. You know, me more specifically covering them, you know, the Tri County South. I'm really interested to see. You know, what they plan on using him as, you know, maybe like if they have an option offense or if they actually decide to air out the ball with him. You know, I, you know, I haven't seen his arm talent because he's a running, he's, you know, he's been a running back. Uh, you know, I definitely know he's a hard runner. And when he gets in the open field, look out, you know, he's going to turn the afterburners on. But um, I think that's really intriguing. Um, I think Nathan Orndorff will really improve at West Green, um, you know, get a year, you know, in the offseason. He's, you know, Nathan has grown this off season about uh, an inch or two. So he's a little bit taller, you know, arm strength, um, you know, he's bulked up a lot too, you know, so his arm strength's going to be there. I think, you know, he'll open some eyes up, you know, I think Hanson has things planned for him uh, to where they're going to throw the ball a little bit more, not be, you know, give the ball to, uh, you know, Jackson 40 times and Walker 15 to 20, uh, you know, there'll be a more balanced team. And uh, I think Corey Wise will help that too. Um, but Bailey Jones coming back for Carmichael's, I think that'll be huge. You know, Bailey's done some really good things at the double A level. Um, and then they come down back to Carmichael's come back down the single way. I think Bailey will really have an impressive season. Um, I'll even go on a limb and say, if he stays healthy, I think Bailey Jones will lead the tri-county South and rushing. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely put him as the, the rushing leader for the Tri-County South. Um, and then, of course, Jonathan Wolf back at Jeff Morgan. Uh, Wolf is going to be a big-time uh, player, you know, on both sides of the ball. Um, as far as the single one out and say they're, who's the best, um, I can't really say that. You know, I think that all the guys I named, and I'm sure I forgot a couple, I think that all the guys I named are truly talented. And they, you know, not to say that they won't separate themselves from the pack this year. Um, even Jaden Zuzak, who I didn't name, you know, from California, you know, that kid's fast, like un- unreal fast, you know, interesting to see if they'll have him a tailback or um, if they put him a wide receiver and that's who Damani, you know, is going to be throwing the ball to. That's going to be interesting to see there. Uh, moving on to interstate, um, you know, I think Nathan Yagel, the two games I saw McGuffey last year, Yagel's going to be big. You know, he was big in those games. You know, the game I was at against Charleroi, 
in wash high. Um, I think big McKinley Whipke is going to be big for uh, McGuffey this year. I think he'll get a lot more carries. Um, this year, of course, they lost uh, their brother, uh, Marshall. He's walking on at WVU, the quarterback, and uh, as well as uh, C.J. Cole, the big 6'5 uh, uh, wide receiver target. You know, he is also walking on to WVU. So um, I think that will end up getting more carries for McKinley and Yagle. Um so I, I really think those guys, um, other than that for interstate, I mean, like I said, watch how I lost a lot. Um, but they'll, they, like I said, you, you did bring up a good point. I believe Nick, you said it, you know, eventually the reloading process is going to stop and you're not wrong whether that, I, I don't see that being the case this year, but you know, like you said, it's eventually going to happen. So I'd say there'll be some kid, you know, in the shadows of Wash High, per se, you know, that's going to come out and break out and be their big-time guy um, in the interstate. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> Nathan, you're you're a lot more hyped up on Frazier than I am, but uh, I think Frazier's definitely got some, you know, I, I believe it's Braden Boggs, the quarterback. I believe that's the name. Um, you know, he's what I've seen. I watched his huddle just the other day, actually. He's very impressive and. uh you know, Frazier can stay healthy and everything. They'll uh, they'll definitely make a run for the conference championship. I'll say it. You can be happy, you can listen now, that uh, I'm on the bandwagon for Frazier. So there's that. And Colby Coons coming back for Beth Center. You know, I think that'll be a big thing for Beth Center coming back um, for them. Uh, you know, if they like we said earlier in the podcast, if, like I said, what I think they need to do to um, make the playoffs keep keep colby healthy and um yeah so uh like i said uh, i didn't really answer the question but i really don't see anyone head over you know head and shoulder length above anyone in each of those conferences you know better than a certain player like you know there's no like i said ben jackson in the tri-county south where there's you know you look at him and he's like yeah that's the best ah, that's the that's the best player in the Tri-County South. Or like even last year, you could have said Samir Robinson for Wash High probably. Yeah, Zamir's probably the best athlete in um, you know, the interstate or Legend Davis for Charleroi. You know, those two guys were exceptional athletes. Um, this year, I really think it's an open playing field for both conferences as far as who's the best player and who's the best team. I, I truly do. I think it's very open, more open than it's been in a long time. <laughs> Go figure as crazy as a year it's going to be. It's just going to be even crazier with this pandemic and everything. Go, It's pretty fitting actually, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, there's so much talent um, and it's kind of more spread out. You know, you have guys like Kenny Fine that go to a, less notable school like Frazier in terms of its football tradition that can make some big waves um, along with all the usual talent that's going to pop up at wash high, as you know, there's going to be um, maybe not as obvious right now, but it'll happen. You know, they, they've got great coaches. They'll, they'll produce talent, even if they don't have it um, obviously going into next year. Um, but speaking of, you know, we were talking about the Tri-County South um, and we were talking about Cal uh, and Damani Stafford, um, you know, an intriguing quarterback next year, an exceptional athlete, someone that was very productive for them last year and other rules. Um, but uh, this was a question that one of our audience members submitted. Um, do you guys think that Damani Stafford has a chance to be the best quarterback in the Tri-County South by the end of this season next year? Um. You know, time will tell. Uh, it's too hard right now to tell. Um, you know, we haven't seen him play yet at quarterback. By the end of the season, you know, I'll give you an answer, maybe even halfway through the season. But uh, as of right now, it's just too hard to tell. I know he's an exceptional athlete. You know, there's no question there that if he's an exceptional athlete, I'm sure he'll do fine at quarterback or else, you know, they wouldn't have him there if he wasn't. Um, as far as the best goes, um, right now in the Tri-County South, uh, you know, as far as quarterbacks returning, I mean, Nate, you can hop in and help me. 
I, I really can't think of any other than Orndorff. I'm sure they there's some returning, but I, as far as the experiences Orndorff has, that is. Um, and like I said, um, Nathan Poppin, and if you can think of anything, but Orndorff's the one that I think I've off popped my head that has experience. So as of right now, I would go on a limb and say he's right up there. Um, I think as far as talent-wise and athleticism-wise, sure, Damani's probably up there as far as the best quarterback athleticism-wise. But, you know, you, we don't know anything yet. You know, it's, we, we, it's not like, you know, he got a couple snaps in the, you know, at the end of the season last year for Cal quarterback, and, you know, he tore it up. You know, we haven't seen him play quarterback. So it, it'll just be hard to tell. But um, obviously California wouldn't have him there just for, you know, laugh sake um so i would say yeah you know he's by the end of the season there's a good possibility that he could be the best quarterback in the tri-county south yeah the the only senior quarterback in the tri-county south actually is at carmichael's and he hasn't even you know taken a snap varsity under quarter under center and that's trenton carter so right. it, as as far as the youth across at, at that position across the conference goes, it's it's really plentiful. You know, Max Venata is a junior at Mabletown, Cole Jones, sophomore at Jefferson Morgan. Um, you look at, you, you mentioned Nathan Ordoff, a junior at, I believe he's a junior at West Green. Um, and then Damani, you know, Damani has that, the same thing that Coach East had last year, he has that athleticism. But, you know, one thing that Coach East kind of struggled at and one thing that Damani will have to kind of elevate in is that coach East really struggled at breaking tackles get you he he would kind of fall down you know guys would kind of pick him up pretty easily as far as defensively and cal lost you know six six guys on that offensive line that were kind of um kind of anchored him and they didn't even have that hot of an offensive line last year so losing those guys they're gonna have to bring in a lot of guys that will have to um and he he's gonna learn early you know playing cornell and week zero as a scrimmage and then they play beth center the week after so he's gonna get his reps against some pretty tougher defenses um and if if that helps him grow into a better quarterback then all power to him but i i think you know, you mentioned quarterback is not a running back, um, and he's going to have to use his arm against teams like that um, to compete against them. I think he definitely has a good chance, you know, just based on, you know, if he puts in the work, you know, we've talked to him on the show. Um, I'm confident that he's a hard worker, that he will, he understands the responsibility of being a quarterback, you know, but also just having that natural talent and, you know, good friends around him that can support him. I, I, I do think I would say, I think he has a chance to be the best quarterback in tri County South. Um, I don't know how likely it is. Um, I, I would not be surprised, but I also would not be surprised if that doesn't happen just because, you know, you're at an inherent disadvantage as somebody that doesn't have that much experience playing position, even when you're being compared to some other quarterbacks, you know, like Nathan Orendorf, who, does not have a lot of experience as compared to some, but is, has gotten a feel for the game. You know, it's not going to take him a couple games at the beginning of the year to kind of get his feet under him. And that could make the difference. Um, but just because of Damani's athleticism, I think that that would, I would definitely not put it past him to say the least. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, California was a team that, definitely had high hopes this year i don't think their ex their realities lived up to their hopes um but you know they are ready to play some good football next year too and i think things might be a lot more open for them now that ben jackson is not standing in their way uh, so uh but uh, to wrap things up uh, with the big questions segment of our show today um i guess one thing that we're kind of looking at is this coronavirus. It's affecting workouts, it's affecting team practices. But who are the early camp favorites, as we could say, uh, to win each conference? You know, uh, we haven't really gotten to get much of a look at these teams, more so than usual. Um, we haven't gotten to talk to the players and hear how they're progressing as much as we could have. Um, but who do you guys think 
is the favorite for each conference going into next year. And another thing is, um, are there any teams that you guys think may be getting overlooked that could make some surprising improvements, to say the least? Yeah, well, looking at the Tri-County South, I think you're looking at a lot of teams that are just making improvements that are going to contend. You know, there's a big kind of everybody's kind of gunning for that number one and two spots who make the playoffs. And last year, the one and two spots were pretty early defined early in the season. Um, Chargers Houston, the the third ranked team, got completely destroyed by Cal. Uh, we're not going to see that out of the Tri-County South this year. It's going to be a big mess of teams all kind of jockeying for position. Carmichael's, West Green, Jefferson Morgan, uh, Cal, they're all going to be competing for those two spots. Um, I think right now I'd give the early lead to Carmichael's to win the conference just based on you know returning production, returning experience, guys in the trenches. But as far as that second spot goes, you know any one of those three teams, I'd probably put my money right now on Cal or West Green to fill that role. But you know Jefferson Morgan, you got Jonathan Wolf coming back, um, Cole Jones coming back at quarterback. Maybe he can improve in the passing game. Um, you never know, really. Bentworth, you know, another team that might surprise some people having Trent Kavanaugh and Owen Petrizek back, um, but, you know, kind of weak in the trenches. So uh, Tri-County Southwise, I'd, I'd pick Carmichael's and then just throw a dart at a dartboard as far as the next team goes. Um, Interstate-wise, you know, you get four playoff teams and seven teams to pick from, so it's a little bit easier to delve into the roster of teams i think right now there's definitely tears in the interstate charities houston is probably not going to make the playoffs i think they're they might be the worst out of those seven teams um best out of those seven teams i think mcguffey and washeye are still a big step ahead of the of the rest of those teams and we've talked about it all podcast wash high lost a lot but i think you know those guys stepping in they lost a lot in the trenches but the guys stepping in have the height and the weight to compete um at those positions they just don't have the experience and there's a reason they don't have experiences because the guys they're replacing were d1 d2 talents um but you know you get three running backs to wash high to re- that really propel them over a lot of teams mike allen Tayshawn Levy, um, and then Amari Miller. So y- any one of those guys could maybe play quarterback as well, uh, replacing Zach Swartz. But, you know, those last two playoff spots, it could go to Charleroi, it could go to Frazier, it could go to Beth Center, it could go to Waynesburg, any of those teams competing for those two playoff spots. And just imagine if Brownsville was in this conference, you get, you know, five teams competing for those two playoff spots. I think, you know, Charleroi lost just about their entire team aside from two pretty good defensive linemen um for for frazier's bringing back everybody but how good are they really um if they're gonna have kenny fine who will who will make them win games that they probably don't deserve to be in and then beth center you know they get to their their starting running back they're getting the starting quarterback back and they're getting they're getting an experienced line in front of them and then waynesburg we really don't have any idea because um they they have guys that will fill roles, but they they really struggled against a pretty tough conference, and no one really stood out as far as returning production goes. Um, so I think going into that four spots right now, probably Wash High and McGuffey. McGuffey would I'd put a little bit ahead of Wash High right now, um, and then the last two spots probably Frazier and Beth Center right now. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if Charleroi picked up one of those two spots and then big eight wise um you know tj it's kind of hard to argue with the state champ um although you you know getting mckeesport in there and bell vernon and west mifflin will they, they might have an argument um and then laurel highlands i think having ronnie gallagher is huge but there's not a whole lot on that team beside him i know they got some interesting athletes to look at but none of that have really stepped up as far as playmakers trinity's experienced but i don't think they'll make the playoffs they'll probably you know compete in games with tougher teams um but that that as far as i go those are my thoughts on some the some of those early camp favorites out of those conferences yeah i think kind of the 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 theme that you can look at from all of this is 
certainly at least for the Tri-County South and the interstate, the, it's anybody's game more so than it has been for a while. That's something we've been kind of talking about all show. Um, as you said, the Big Eight's a little different just because of how loaded uh, Thomas Jefferson is. You know, looking at the returning state champs, they have a lot of productive players coming back, and you know that they're going to have plenty of new talent coming up that can do a, ju- a just fine job of replacing whoever they lost. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe with this weird year with, you know, players not being able to train as much as they could before and all the changes that there will be for a stadium, um, you know, with all the fans and such, you know, maybe something crazy happens. Maybe Bell Vernon or McKeesport finally gets their year. Um, you know, McKeesport moving down, maybe that will make all the difference for them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I know Nathan is. Do you have any thoughts, Jeremiah? Uh, yeah, very excited for this upcoming season. Uh, you know, get sports back. You know, that's just a big thing for me. You know, to be able to go out and do what I love to do. And, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, I'll be primarily covering uh, Tri-County South. Um, you know, I'll be staying local. Um, and like we've been saying, you know, this year is going to be – just as open as it's ever been same with interstate and uh you know i look forward you know that we've made the push and are now covering the big eight you know and got talent like ronnie gallagher laurel highlands you know we got you know lucky mckeesport coming down we got the triple option you know lucky johnson at uh you know west mifflin and then you know tj the defending state champs and bell vernon with devin whitlock you know i'm just really excited for this Coming football season, it might not be, um, might not be the most typical season that uh, we'll have. But uh, as far as the surroundings and everything, but uh, you know, high school football is high school football. So uh, that's all I got to say on that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just. You know, on one hand, you can look at this as an exciting season because of all the potential there is, all the talent, the fact that these conferences seem open, the fact that we can expect upsets and great plays and all that. But at the same time, high school football is high school football. And we're going to get to jump back into that coming in August, which is really all that we could hope for in the midst of all of this confusion. Um, So we'll just continue to cross our fingers that things progress as they seem to be and that um hopefully i mean you know at least we could be at the games and give you guys updates and highlights and all that about what's going on obviously we would greatly prefer if you could be there with us you know watching your sons or your friends or whatever but you know it's you gotta take what you can get and um i think if this does go the way it seems to without spectators we will take our responsibility as those who convey uh, the the details of the game even more seriously because, you know, that's what it's all about. That's what you guys care about. That's why you're listening to the show. That's why we produce the show. And so with that being said, um, I think we are going to start to wrap things up here. Um, you can expect more shows coming up um, in the relatively near future from us. I don't think we're going to be having any big, long breaks like this after um, probably until the season's over at the very least, things are going to start picking up again. Um, And if you are interested and seeing what we are picking up and experiencing all that comes with the Backyard Football Network, you can check us out on Twitter. You can check us out on Facebook. Um, Make sure to see Nathan's videos that he's been producing for this season. They are amazing. As we said, it includes some, clips that were sent in from local players uh, here at them talk about their experiences it's very cool it's very well done as always um you can also find us wherever you find podcasts on apple Podcasts, spotify Castbox, stitcher all those things um, or you can check out the um pa football news website uh, who we are affiliated with they are the definitive source for high school football information across the state of pennsylvania They don't just cover the backyard. They cover it all from St. Joseph's Prep to West Green and everything in between. Um, I got to say, I'm very pleased that that rhymed. I did not plan that. But anyways, 
Um, they do interviews with players. They have a whole network of a lot of interns just like ourselves that cover lots of teams that they're passionate about. So make sure that if you're a serious fan of high school football, you check out PA Football News. It's where it's at. Billy puts a lot of time and effort into it. Um, otherwise, uh, if you want to get in contact with the show directly, you can email me, nikhaus 75 that's N-I-C-K-H-A-U-S-75 at gmail.com. Or you can email Nathan at nathancarella at gmail.com. If you are a player and want to get interviewed or uh, you're an insider and want to chat, or if you have questions that you want us to include or answer on the next show, or really any just comments, concerns, anything like that, we would love to hear from you and talk about high school football because, as we've said, that's what we love, that's what you love. Might as well foster that connection. Uh, otherwise, that just about wraps things up for today's show. I want to give a, another big thanks to our brother in podcasting, Jeremiah Miller, for coming on today. It was a pleasure as always. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Stay safe. Absolutely. Uh, stay safe, guys. That's, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Um, this has been another episode of the Backyard Football Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to come back soon. You've been listening to the Backyard Football Podcast. With Nathan Grella, Nick Househalter, and Brock Owens. The Backyard Football Podcast is a member of the Western PA Football Podcast Network. For more information follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast on CastBox and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and have a great day. Still here? It's over. Go home. Go.